Our Gospel reading this Easter morning is from John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, and he saw and believed. They still did not understand the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead, but the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Now, thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Ravoni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went. She went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a little kid, we lived in a parsonage next to my dad's church in Gastonia, North Carolina, until I was about seven years of age. On the other side of the church was a large cemetery. The cemetery was always a mystery to me in the daytime. Of course, it was beautiful. It was surrounded by a gorgeous stone wall with tombstones of all descriptions and ages. But the cemetery was also a scary place, especially at night. Now, my sister Beth liked to have sleepovers at our house. Beth is seven years older than I, so as a little kid, I liked to harass them as much as possible. Late one night, Beth and her friends went to the cemetery to tell ghost stories. And I, of course, followed along. But when I got there, I, I remember standing outside the stone wall because I was so afraid to go in. Everybody else had already gone ahead of me, and and I just stood there alone. Then I started to hear these spooky sounds coming from all inside the gate. And I, I wanted to run, but I, I was afraid to go back to the house alone. So I cautiously looked inside the cemetery. And, and all at once, one of the girls jumped out from behind a tombstone. I ran as fast as I could back home. What's the matter, my mom asked. And I didn't say a word. Why are we so afraid of cemeteries and tombs? Now I know. We've been hearing a lot about death and dying these last few weeks. Daily, we hear updates on the number of coronavirus victims in our community, the state, New York, other hotspots around the world. And it's overwhelming, isn't it? It's a little bit scary. 
I mean, in New York City, as the death toll mounts, officials are preparing to use public parks as temporary cemeteries. Trenches will be dug, each holding 10 caskets. No doubt it, it will be done in a dignified way, absolutely, but there's no way around looking at a temporary cemetery and trenches dug for mass burials and not see death. 2,000 years ago, St. Paul wrote about cemeteries. Now, he was writing to a Christian community in Corinth, which is a fascinating city in Greece. Corinth was a relatively new city at that point in time, only 100 years of age, but had quickly grown to a population five times that of Athens, primarily because of two major ports that served the city and the region. Everybody wanted to live in Corinth, but they were facing a major challenge of what to do with the dead. An enormous necropolis was built in the middle of town where bodies were cremated, but others preferred to bury the body intact, so new cemeteries were built every week. Now, the presence of death was pervasive in Corinth. Paul stood nearby, and he said this, I want to tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we all will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and we will all be changed. Now what Paul was helping them to see was that a cemetery isn't about death. It's about life. Here's the deal. No matter how you look at it, Easter begins in what? A cemetery. I mean, it's sort of a no brainer. Let's go back to the story, to the very first verse. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. In other words, she went to a cemetery. Dark, mysterious, right? When it was still dark. It was a place of the dead. And sure enough, Mary went to the cemetery that morning, afraid, expecting to find death. But Mary didn't find what she was looking for. An empty tomb was there. Folded up grave clothes were there. Confusion was there until Mary heard the sound of her name. She turned and looking through the tears of her eyes, she saw that Jesus was there too. I mean, she had gone to the cemetery expecting to find death, but she found life. There's a classic true story that I've, I've told many times at Easter. It's a cemetery in Hanover, Germany. Uh, and and in, inside that cemetery is a grave on which was placed huge slabs of granite and, and, a marble, um, and marble that had been cemented together and fastened with these heavy steel clasps. It, it belonged to a woman who did not believe in the resurrection, yet strangely she directed in her will that her grave be made so secure that if there was a resurrection, it could not reach her. On the marker are inscribed these words, this burial place must never be opened. You can almost guess what happened. Of course, in time, a seed uh, covered over by the stones began to grow. Slowly, it pushed its way through the soil and out from beneath the stones, a seedling. Over the years, it became a tree and the trunk of the tree enlarged and opened the slabs of granite and marble, shifted so that the steel clasps, they were wrenched from their sockets. A tiny little seed had become a tree that had pushed aside the stones. And here's the point. The woman buried there expected death to be the final word. But the message of Easter is that death never has the final word. So what are we afraid of? We're afraid of the unknown, of course. 
We're afraid of what might be behind those gravestones. We're afraid of what might be tucked inside that tomb. And of course, you know, don't you, that I'm talking about far more than just death. This whole pandemic has made us afraid of lots of things. Social contact, a devastated economy, lost jobs, contracting the virus. But there's more than just that, of course. I mean, each of us has within us parts of our lives that have been carefully tucked inside a, a tomb. Parts of our story that, for some, just downright frightening. Some stories we don't want to deal with and, uh, and stories we, we are too afraid maybe to deal with. Maybe, maybe we're scared that someone will find out. There are lots of things in life that are scary that, that we keep hidden inside the tomb of our soul. For some, it's addiction. Maybe it's unemployment. Maybe it's unhappiness at home. Maybe it's an unsettled relationship somewhere in, in your life. Maybe it's an inability to forgive someone. Frustration at not being forgiven. Baggage from our past can be scary. A recent diagnosis, an unknown future transition, aging parents, chronic or terminal disease. There's a lot to fear. A lot that we'd like to keep tucked inside a tomb. Now, I'm not here today to tell you that your fears are unfounded or exaggerated, but I am here to tell you that Jesus confronted each and every one of those concerns with a simple question to Mary. It's in verse 15 of what we read today. He asked her, why are you weeping? In other words, tell me why you're afraid. Is he being insensitive? I don't think so. Jesus is just trying to help her deal with the fear that's deep within her because he knows that fear will keep us trapped inside our tombs. He knows that fear keeps us focused on a tragic ending rather than a new beginning. Don't you see, St. Paul knew what he meant when he said that our lives are not headed in the direction of death. He said that our lives are headed in the direction of a grand and glorious trumpet sound when all will be changed, when all will be made new. It's the resurrection that we experience in those last days when the dead will rise, St. Paul writes, but it's also the resurrection that we experience today when Christ gives us the courage to set aside fear and embrace hope, hope for a brand new day. Yesterday, my daughter Anna was doing sit-ups on the front porch of our house trying to stay in shape. We're all maybe trying to do that. It reminded me of a woman in my former congregation named Esther Kundert, wonderful lady who did 100 sit-ups every day all the way up into the age of 95. Amazing, right? When her last year of life, I visited Mr. Mrs. Kundert during Holy Week. At that point, she was unable to see. She certainly was unable to do sit-ups, and quite honestly, she was ready to die. We read the Passion story together, and as you might remember, there's a dramatic point in the story when Jesus looks over at the criminal who's hanging next to him on the cross and says, today you will be with me in paradise. I looked at Mrs. Kundert and, and tears covered her cheeks. That gives me goosebumps, she said, smiling. You see, she wasn't afraid, and she shouldn't have been. Because the darkness that we experience today is but momentary in light of the glory that God is preparing for us in the day to come. Late one night last September, Cindy Osterhus took several of us out on a boat just behind me on, on High Rock Lake. 
it was such a beautiful and glorious night. I mean, it was all the stars and planets, just one of those nights when they were particularly brilliant. She pointed out Venus and, and she pointed out the big and the little dippers and a variety of constellations. And, and then she pointed out Polaris, also known as a North Star, oftentimes the brightest star that we see at night. It really was stunning out here. You know, if you look carefully behind me, you won't see those stars, but they are there. It's just that they're not visible to the human eye until dark sets in. Here's the truth of the gospel. God is ready to bring new life to your dark place, no matter how dark it might be. In fact, sometimes we don't even see the light until darkness surrounds us, but it's there. It's always there. Imagine what that might look like for you as you look into your future. Imagine what that might look like for our world as we look beyond these dark days of a pandemic. It's early on the first day of the week. The sun, it's beginning to shine. You've come to the right place because the tomb is empty. Christ is risen and new life, your new life, begins. Amen.